Welcome back to another episode of Trey's Table Talks podcast. This episode, we'll be talking about advocacy and being their voice with special guest and social worker, Veronica Hudson. Welcome to another episode of Trey's Table Talks, where I am here talking to my sister, Veronica Hudson, who just so happens to be an amazing social worker mm-hmm. out of North Carolina. So this is in honor of March, which is Social Worker Appreciation. So we want to make sure we are honoring our social workers. So I thought, what better way to honor our social worker than talk to my sister who has been doing this work for many, many years. So let's get right into it. And then we're going to go to live to continue our conversation. All right. So, um, you know, I've known you forever and um, you've always had kids or young people around you. What what do you say is your purpose or passion that just kind of led you to get into being becoming a social worker? Um, You know, it's like you said, we grew up, you know, together in the church and we had a really thriving youth department. We were Mm -hmm. we were close. Right. These, as they say, Mm -hmm. and we. we follow the legacy of those that came before us. Um, mm-hmm. And it was pivotal in how we developed as young people into our adulthood. And um, I actually started out as an accounting major. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, uh, I was going to classes with my niece, Phyllis, who's also a social worker. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I really think I like this. And I started engaging in her classes because <laughs> we were shooting back and forth. <laughs> University of Washington and then I was like you know what I'm gonna switch and mm-hmm. when I switched I really didn't know what direction I wanted to go with social work mm-hmm. but after working at the Phoebe house for a short period of time I realized that I really want to be able to reach people before they get to this point the point right. of homelessness and um, having low self-esteem and um, prostitution and all of those things. And so mm-hmm. I found that my niche is going to be working with children. Awesome. Some, level, some level. And I mm-hmm. still wasn't sure. Still wasn't sure. So. Where did you, how did you kind of go into the work? I've often told her, like, I don't know how you, she was a, are you still a CPS investigator? She was doing that part. And that, no, I'm, I'm still in a, I have a title here in North Carolina. I, I am what they call an IAT, an investigator, an assessment, and a treatment worker, which really encompasses the ability to do investigation, assessments, in-home services, as well as carry a caseload of foster care. So basically, okay. right now I'm doing in-home services, but at any point in time, based on the needs of the agency, I can be shifted to any of those positions. Okay, okay. And so you've been working for the the department down there for like 20 something years, right? Oh my gosh, 20, almost 23 years. Oh my God. June will make 23 years. CPS. Wow. So with that said, 23 years, uh, we know that, you know, I have some social workers who love what they do, but they do, you know, get a little battle fatigue. So how do you, how do you balance the emotional part and, and uh, also prevent the battle fatigue or do you get battle fatigue and how do you kind of, restore yourself you know it's really kind of hard and you have to be very mindful not to bring what you see and experience home okay 
Um, but you do get tired a lot of times um, just because of what you deal with from day to day. And we see the gambit of things, things mm-hmm. that you can think about it happening here within our society. And um, for me, it was always church has always been right there on the mm-hmm. forefront. Mm-hmm. Church and family. And so for me, it is my relationship with God. It is mm-hmm. my involvement and engagement in services. And if I can get up and go to work, I can get up and go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If I can serve the man, I can serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> not just for me, but just for my household. You know, it says for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so mm-hmm. even the engagement, it, it crossed over into church where, you know, for many years I did uh, they call it liturgical dance. We call it creative arts down here um, mm-hmm. at our church. And so I did that. And and we were, people used to get mad, but we were a very tight unit where mm-hmm. we would get up and we had a standing practice. And the children loved it because it, we poured into each other and we took down the isms and schisms of that comes with teenagers. Uh-huh. Take the time to get to know a person. They're not what you think they are. They're not who you think they are. And mm-hmm. there's, there's value in them and there's value in you and learning to appreciate each other. So um, that's a big part of my balance is my, my family, my church family, um, because, you know, I'm here by myself. And so right. the family that I have here, it came through church mm-hmm. and through work because I've had um, friends that I've met when I first started working here. They may not be at the agency, but we're still connected and we're still close. And so... Mm-hmm. It is important to still have family values, still have family time and be able to debrief and debunk yourself from all of that stuff that you see, carry and experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely in that work with it being so emotional, emotionally charged real easily. You know, you can take that stuff home. So that's good that you are, you know, you have the outlet of the church and family and church family because that's how we grew up. You know, that's what our, the, the community was our church. Right. And stuff. So um, so why do you think it's important for people of color to get into social work, particularly um, child welfare? Um, and then kind of, you know, because uh, I we don't have a lot of, of course, we're in Washington state. So um, do you find there's a lot of people of color uh, who are social workers? And if not, um, would you encourage them to get into it? And if so, why? So there are actually here. There's a lot of people of color that are social workers. OK, Um and they go into a gambit of different um, veins of social work. But I do encourage it because there's such a gambit and a wealth that you wealth of knowledge and opportunity that is out there. There's the ability to pour back into these young people, mm-hmm. to um, mentor them, to encourage them, to show that there's there's something positive about themselves and things that they have to provide and give in this society. And, um, you know, a lot of our history books are not written for us. Right. The information that they have is not written on their behalf. And a lot of times, if they don't have someone to be their voice, to advocate for them, to really um, push the limits in terms of, we have to look at cultural sensitivity in terms of how they were raised, their community, what's important to them mm-hmm. when we're assessing situations, when we're going in here and we're looking at situations, is this something that is a cultural thing? Mm-hmm. Mm. Is this something that was malicious and intentional? 
mm-hmm. that you know we can have a conversation we can provide some guidance and direction to change how they're handling situations to change mm-hmm. maybe how they're parenting or how they would handle a situation how they can handle a situation differently even to encourage the children to mm-hmm. look at adding value to themselves and how important it is for them to stay in school and work on their education and have goals for themselves mm-hmm. so a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of people don't have that a lot of, a lot of children don't have that mentorship mm-hmm. and so it's important when i can see myself and see that value that I can bring to the table to somebody mm-hmm. else. And it does make a difference. Okay. When, especially when you think about it from a therapeutical, uh, therapeutic um, aspect, mm-hmm. a lot of the children connect when they see a therapist that looks like them. Right. Okay. A therapist mm-hmm. that looks like them. So mm-hmm. when, you, when you talk about social work, social work, you can go into the clinical aspect of it. And when mm-hmm. you're in clinical, then you can, you can provide that therapy. Okay. Even if you're mm-hmm. CTS, then you're still mentoring and you can still provide certain aspects of direction and guidance for them. Mm-hmm. But it's important for children to be able to see us as professionals, be able to see us as people are, who are willing to say, hey, your life matters and that we're willing to go the nine for you. We're willing mm-hmm. to advocate for you. So it does make mm-hmm. a difference. And you, I know, love it. you know, I've always been one of those who push the envelope. Right. And, uh, <laughs> And, and you know, except for trouble, a lot of church, right? Especially right. With Poppy all the time, all the time, <laughs> all the time. But you know, even in my line of work, there are times, and I love it when I work with certain um, attorneys when I'm in the courtroom because they will push the envelope with me. That's and awesome. We'll look at each other and be like, "Okay, if we're gonna get contempt of court, we're gonna do it together, right? Right. Okay, let's go for this." <laughs> and so, for the children, it makes a difference, and mm-hmm. it's somebody is not just here for a paycheck. They're mm-hmm. not just here checking the box, but they care about me and they care about what happens to me. So, you know, that, that that's why it's important. You know, it mm-hmm. is, important. you know, color matters, um, ethnicity, culture, all of that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but even still, you still have to be able to do your job, pull from that. And even if it's not a, a culture that you're familiar with, sometimes you have to go back and research and, and learn and mm, ask those good. questions. To have mm-hmm. an understanding of why they are like that or why they're doing the things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And a so prime really- example, is I had a case here. Well, I was doing a home visit yesterday mm-hmm. and, and I was pushing the envelope and I know that I was pushing the envelope with this mm-hmm. individual, but mm-hmm. I need to see where you're going to go with me. Right. <laughs> because you were confrontational, you were aggressive, you were combative, mm-hmm. but I got you to disclose that you grew up in a situation of domestic violence. Oh, okay. And so mm-hmm. this is a learned behavior that you've never addressed. Mm-hmm. This is a learned behavior that you feel like it's okay and that for many years you've been able to um, smooth talk, manipulate, and get yourself around and you are you can be a chameleon mm-hmm. and maneuver around situations. But yeah. I see you. I see wow. you. And so I'm going to call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we're gonna we're just gonna deal with it from that aspect, right? So, right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I I really hear you saying that you're really trying to learn your your clients or the people you work with so that you can meet their needs in a very effective and impactful way. You know, that even with pushing the envelope, at the end of the day, you're not doing it just to do it. You, there's a reason, and you're trying to get the best for those kiddos for that family. 
so that they can get what they need. And sometimes, you know, we do have social workers that, you know, just even as foster care providers who it looks like all they're doing is checking off a box and it's frustrating because you're going, there's more that this child and this family needs. So right. it's good to know that there are people like you and even the ones in the courtroom that's like, okay, we're going to do this together, right? That's what we're doing. All right, we got it. And then <laughs> right. hopefully it works out for the best for the, for the family and the children involved. So that's good. That's good. Okay. So we're going to take a break. We're going to move into our live segment and then we're going to continue the discussion. And Ronnie, you have to get on camera because she's like me. She don't like to be on camera. But <laughs> for the sake of this discussion, she's going to do that. And we will see you on Facebook. So everybody stay with us as we go live on our social media platforms on Instagram and Facebook. This month is... Uh, Social Worker Appreciation Month. And I tell you, we have some amazing social workers we are privileged to work with and partner with at JMC for these children. And y'all, I, listen, I have my glasses this time, but it has this glare. So anyway, I can't do both. So we're just waiting on, hi, Auntie Esther. We're waiting on Veronica to come in so I could put her on Facebook Live, who is a social worker of 23 years out of North Carolina. She and I have been friends forever. And so she's actually from the Washington State area. And there she is. I'm going to bring her on. She's from the Washington State area. And now she is in North Carolina doing her thing. I'm looking at this. Burt Bees is horrible. <laughs> Ooh, is, it is that. Hi, Crescinda. Hey, Ronnie. Now, see, Ronnie has always embraced her gray. I have not. I will not. It's cute, girl. No, I cannot do it. I cannot do it. I'm so glad you are here with us. Hey, oh, Shag Hennessy. I know who that is, a.k.a. Chris. Chris, I was talking about you the other day. I hope you are well. It's good to see you on here. I don't know if you remember, I don't even remember Chris's last name now. I see his face. He called he changed his name. Oh, uh, Jesus. Anyway, uh, he's amazing. Thank you for your service. Chris, are you still in Oshag? Are you still in uh yet? I feel like you've been in there. Okay. Um, so Ronnie, thank you for joining us. We're talking about how you are an amazing social worker in North Carolina, working in child welfare. And she named this very fancy title that she'll have to repeat. <laughs> Tell us the title. She probably should be running the department by now, but she won't let herself get that part. So she won't let herself too much bureaucracy. She likes to work with the people. <laughs> right. IAT for so it stands for investigator, assessor, um, and treatment worker, which means that um, I can do investigations or I can do what we call family assessments mm -hmm. or treatment, which means I can do investigations in home services as well as um, carry foster care cases. Mm -hmm. So our agency says needs of the agency. Okay. So at any time, even if I'm doing in-home services, which is what I'm 
doing now mm-hmm. is they decide, oh, we need more foster care workers. Mm-hmm. And so they ask you, you know, a couple of years back, they said, would you like to do foster care? Well, yeah, no thanks. I really don't want to. <laughs> and so it went from no to, well, can you hold these cases? And I already had a full load of in-home service cases. <laughs> well, well, can you hold these eight cases? Well, can you can you hold two more? And before I knew it, I had a full load of foster care, full load of um, of in-home services. And then I had to catch up and take some investigations. And I'm like, like I'm running three programs right now. Wow. And they try not to do that anymore. But, you know, there was a time that we had to do it because we lacked the manpower. And mm-hmm. it had to- mm-hmm. So needs of the agency, that's how it is here. Yeah, well, you know, that's just government, you know, all around, particularly it's something when it comes to people, we don't invest as much, you know, whether it's in social services or education, it just seems like we don't put as much into it as we need to. But I'm glad you were able to do that. Ronnie's like super smart and she loves that investigative side, you know, therapeutic side. So this this sounds like it's kind of meeting all of the skills you really are passionate about. Um, Mavis is on. Mavis, you see your friend, Ronnie? Hey, Mavis. Hey, Diana. <laughs> hey, no ordinary Liz is on Instagram. Yes, she was with us uh, about a month ago online. So, all right. So we have a couple of questions. You can hear the other questions that we asked her on our podcast. That'll be posted later on this evening. But you were talking, Ronnie, to us about the need for people of color to get into social work and how um, just representation is very important to the kids that we serve. Um, but just kind of talk to us some about some rewards and some challenges that you have face and face as a social worker. There is always, with anything that you do, there's always going to be opposition. Mm-hmm. Because people often, CPS is known as baby snatchers. Oh, you get paid for taking my baby. Mm. Awesome. Right. You know, and I like to feel like if you had any idea what I had to do to take your baby, I want you to keep your child. I want you to be able to be successful as a parent. And I want to be able to empower you mm-hmm. with this. And the, and the knowledge that you need to to do that. So a lot of times we have to go in and debunk that and then un- have them understand that it's not always a bad thing for us to come into your life. Mm-hmm. Some we're coming to bring services to you. Mm-hmm. We're coming to um, give you knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it may be that you need daycare. Mm-hmm. And so we have a waiting list. But guess what? Because you have an open case with me, I can go ahead and fill out the paperwork and get you daycare immediately. Wow. And you're mm-hmm. not paying for it, but your need is being met. Your mm-hmm. children are now in daycare. Situation is resolved because if it was the children were being left home alone, mm-hmm. you know, care. And you couldn't afford it, but now I've bumped you up. Right. Met your, mm-hmm. you, what else you need? I'm out your life. You want me out your life? Let's do this. Right. <laughs> Let's partner together. To do do. I can be out of your life. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to. Mm-hmm. sometimes once you get these people engaged then they're like I don't want you to leave what I can't stay right right but it's important to be able to engage the families meet the families where they are and one of the big things they tell you is having preconceived notions mm. they, they may not have raised, been raised like I did or mm-hmm. uh, have the ability to say that they had a mom and a dad and, mm-hmm, and other mm-hmm. moms and dads because we had other moms and dads within our church family. Right, our right. That we mm-hmm. raised. 
And so um, we always had someone that we could go to that we trusted that we could rebound things off of. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm bad it's not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's being able to gain trust as well because trust has been broken so many times from the adults and the and the children as well. Mm-hmm. And so gain that. Um, and so when they see you coming, I'm not here to hurt you, but I'm here to help you. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I am who I am. I'm not a super social worker is what I tell them. Right. I'm keep, keep it moving. Right. And That's so good. if you want to get body about it, you're going to get body. Right. <laughs> if we, we need to just handle the situation, let's do it. Right. You know? Right. And I will advocate i will go with you like i had a situation last week where um a child on my caseload had gotten into a fight mm. the mom was like oh you're gonna be mad at her you're gonna fuss at her but when i saw it and saw all the texts no i'm not mm-hmm. so let's go to the board of education and mm-hmm. let's fight this that's good because mm-hmm. no she was defending herself she was protecting herself mm-hmm. so no i'm not that with her okay do we have the conversation later that, okay, how else did you handle it? Right, right. Mm-hmm. But she needs to know that she has a voice and that she has someone who's going to uh, protect her and stand up for her. And we partner with the parent to mm-hmm. go meet with the Board of Education. Let's see what we can do mm-hmm. and get this turned around for this child. I love it. So you're talking about, you uh, even in the podcast earlier, you were saying how just that advocacy and the importance of advocacy and knowing that they have a trusted person. Um, you mentioned this young lady, you going with her, that did a lot for her education. Again, moving those barriers. What other things have you done as far as advocacy? And do you find that social workers automatically kind of take on that role of being an advocate as well for their, their clients? Let me say this nicely. <laughs> diplomatically. I find that some of the newer, younger social workers nowadays mm-hmm. do not have the same uh, tenacity okay. and drive. Mm-hmm. It, check the box mm-hmm. and move. And, and I will call them on the carpet about it. Mm-hmm. Did you do this? Did you do that? Why didn't you say this? Why didn't you say that? Did you check this? It's not my job to reinvestigate what you've done. Right. But if you didn't do it, then it's left for me to do. Mm-hmm. And you didn't fully do what you could for the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is important to be able to be the advocate holistically. Okay. Um, okay. These, to be try to try to meet them, and it doesn't happen all the time. It does. You have workers that are slack and don't mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Other times, maybe slack and mm-hmm. not do everything then and there, or I may be um, so caught up in having to. Um, get medical records and, and get requests and following the, the bureaucracy. Right. Other some things, because sometimes people aren't honest. So if I can't get it this way, let me go this way. To try okay. Mm-hmm. Where I'm requesting medical records, mental health records, talking to doctors and teachers and other people that can um, give input into this family, this situation, the structure of the family, mm-hmm. because some, the only way to really effectively be a good advocate is to have a better understanding of the family. Mm-hmm. Wow, you do so much. And, um, you know, we experienced that here in Washington where you have the social workers that you know are just checking out boxes and you have the ones who are doing, as you said, going 
to the board of education, no, I'm going to go with you. Because sometimes just having that person that is on the inside to speak the language even, because you're talking about families, you're talking about human beings. We're not talking about my burger was wrong. We're talking about my family is broken and my family has been broken because as a parent, I'm broken, you know, and I don't even realize this. So like you had said in, in your example earlier about a case you had where you pushed the envelope, but in that pushing of the envelope, you discovered that this parent experienced, you know, domestic violence. So that's how they were raised in a sense, you know, and they, that to them, that's normal. And then how important is it to be able to separate? I, don't, I would love for you just to kind of repeat that, um, just what you bring home, because these are nuggets that actually could be for anybody, but specifically when you're working with people, I know Mavis, she is our program manager. She's great with the kids, but how do you separate what you're seeing, what you're experiencing at work and not bring it to your children and grandchildren at home? Um, so I try to keep that healthy boundary. It is hard sometimes, but for the most part, um, I try not to discuss it mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it's something that's brought up to me. Okay. I try to discuss those things with them. I try to keep it separate from them mm-hmm. because it's easy to bring home your, um, the frustration from the day. Mm-hmm. And it's learning not to become frustrated with these situations because you don't have any control over it. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why allow it to frustrate you, um, affect you, affect your health, blood pressure, headaches, and everything mm-hmm. else? Mm-hmm. No control over it. All you can do is try to help the people, aid the people, assist the people. And, you know, my thing is, let's work through it. Okay. You know? they're going to partner or they're not and then if they choose that they're not going to partner um then sometimes i tell them well maybe you need to have that conversation with the judge Mm. (laughs) (laughs) if you don't talk to me you won't talk to the judge right that means that i've had to file a petition i've had to make the courts aware of what's going on Mm -hmm. because point because of your behaviors and your unwillingness to ensure the safety and the Mm well-being then i have to right Right. Not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. What I want to do, but when you leave me no choice, then that's what I'm left doing. Right. You know? Um, but I do try to keep that from the kids, and I I do try to um, separate that. You know, um, Robert is teaching now. Wow. College, I know, right? That's our and, oldest son. <laughs> and wow. Um, so he was reading an email that came through from the principal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what in the world? And it actually involved something that was, it was a case of ours. Wow. And he was like, is this real? It's real. Mm-hmm. It's real because your principal just put it out to you and it is real. Mm-hmm. You know, and be mindful. And I said, and that just goes to show how much you don't really understand um, how much these kids may be exposed to and what's going on. Right. Even from and a teacher so, standpoint. Yeah. Even from the teacher standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, sometimes our worlds cross over. So yeah. your world has now crossed over into my world. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, um, and it did happen at his school, but it was something so significant that it was an email that was put out to all of the schools. Right, right. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I said, so it just being mindful of how these different things and situations will impact these kids and how much, you know, his kids, he's young himself anyway. Right. And how much love him because I don't know if it's because he's young or what, or just because his personality, because he does have an amazing personality. Uh-huh. But, you know, they love him and talk to him about different things. And so I try to keep still, even with him being a teacher, even with my daughter being grown and having yeah. her own, I try to keep it, you know, away from them. But sometimes they tell me, Mom, you've just become so desensitized. Oh, wow. I was thing. I said, well, maybe I've always been a little desensitized because I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's Bob that's done it or if I've always been a, maybe a, a little right. desensitized. Right. And I don't know if it's desensitized or if I'm just always in a mode of, if I got to go, I'm going. Right. Right. So, but, you know, I keep the balance of church. Mm-hmm. The balance of us doing healthy activities. My go-to used to be, but I'm delivered now. Uh-huh. With I used to shop. And so people would call me like, they're like, what are you doing? I said, girl, I'm in therapy right now. Said, I'm in therapy. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like, girl, I'm just at the mall shopping. I'm just shopping. But I, I learned that that was not a healthy way to do it. And so then it was, sometimes I, I learned to just maybe go and walk. Because okay. then it was a mindless wonder. Right. We breathe and come down. And then even my coworkers and I, we have, um, for the most part, we work remote most days. Okay. And so we have a thing where we make it a practice to at least eat lunch once a week together. Oh, good. And then our team that we're on, we we do activities together where we'll eat lunch together once a month. And okay. then if somebody has a birthday, then we still celebrate the birthday. Uh-huh. And for the holiday, it don't matter what holiday it is, we're going to draw a name and then we're going to exchange gifts. That's great. And just to keep the connection, it's yeah. to keep us encouraged. It is to debrief about things that are going on. And sometimes we'll be like, hey, you know what? Let's just have a work lunch. Right. And bring our papers and computers and go somewhere and camp out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having healthy outlets to okay. be able to keep, keep that your, your levels down in terms of anxiety. I'm not one, but a lot of people have been on medications mm-hmm. and diagnosis and yeah i'm good right human trafficking is horrific here wow we are right on the um i-95 corridor wow so between florida and new york they do a lot of trafficking trafficking our babies that's horrible yeah and so you know we see a lot we experience a lot we deal with a lot um but we still so we just do things to make sure that we are processing through and that we keep our levels down in terms of not getting anxious and having anxiety. And I have one coworker. When I tell you that is one traveling mama, uh-huh. she probably travels every month. Oh. And she may travel sometimes twice a month. <laughs> but it probably makes for a better, you know, care to what she's services that she's providing her uh, clients to be able to do that too. It is. It yeah. Is, you know, and, um, 
the other week when she was going somewhere, I think she was going to Puerto Rico or somewhere, talk about um, Buenos Dias. Girl, you ain't gone yet. <laughs> well, it's healthy, have healthy boundaries. That's good. That's good. Well, I personally appreciate your time, sis. And I know that all those wonderful clients, whether they like it or not, they love what you're doing. So on behalf of all of us in this child welfare, just social workers, because, you know, social workers can be in, in any setting, you know. And so we want to say we appreciate all you do for people and that you will continue to be blessed in your area because you're giving out so much that you'll just be refilled with what God has for you. So thank you. I'm going to get off here now and I love you and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> And we're wrapping up this episode with March's theme of growth. We can all agree that growth is a good thing, whether that be growth in your mind, body, or soul, or maybe a job, maybe with your friends. But growth means progression, moving forward in life. We want to challenge you to accept growth in all areas of your life, including family. Think about opening up your heart and home to a kiddo who needs a trusted adult like you. All right, that is our podcast for the day. If you would like to become a foster parent, please check us out, jmckids.com and talk to us about how you would love to be a foster parent. Email us at fosters at jmckids.com. We'll be happy to talk to you about you becoming a foster parent. Also, we are in a hiring frenzy. We're hiring for each one of our houses as well as case aid support, direct care support, um, as well as subcontractors for our family time services. So please hit us up. We have jobs out there if you want to do part-time or full-time, and maybe you feel like that's the way you can make your difference with these foster children. We'll be glad to make you a part of our village, all right? Thank you again. This has been Trelane Davis from Trey's Table Talks representing JMC, James Matthew Commission. Thank you.